You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Heavenly Father, this morning we declare that you are our way maker. Lord, we trust you. We lean into you. We hold on to you this morning. We hold on to you this morning. I'll ask us to just pray in the Spirit for a minute this morning. Um, if you pray in the Holy Spirit, just pray in the Spirit for a minute this morning. We're saying, Father, you are our way maker. You are our way maker. You are a mighty God. You are not the government. You are not um, a boss at work. You are not a parent. You are not a man. That you should lie, not a son of man, to repent of the things that you have said. You are the one whose counsel stands. You are bigger than the biggest. You are mightier than the mightiest. You are not our experience. You are not our vocabulary. You are not our definitions. You are not our process. You are God all by yourself. And so, Lord, we lean upon you this one. It says, except the Lord builds or watches over a city, they watch in vain, builds a house, they build in vain. Lord, we refuse to act, live, build, think in vain. We lean upon you this morning, Waymaker. You are the one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. You are our very present help in the time of need. This is with you all things are possible. We lean upon you this morning, our Father. We lean upon you this morning. Let's pray in the Spirit. Just one minute. I'd like us to pray for those who have deadlines uh, this morning that seem impossible. That God will intervene with favor and with resources in the name of our Lord Jesus. Everyone who has a deadline. That, that looks impossible. Lord, we are asking that you will turn things around in the name of our Lord Jesus. That even when the human clock has stopped, Lord, you can do what you need to do. And so we present every such matter before you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Financial deadlines, deadlines at work, deadlines in a relationship, deadlines for health, Lord, we call upon you this morning. We lean upon you, mighty God. Hey, And we declare it is done by the favor of God. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We declare this year will end with so much testimonies because we serve a living God. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, let me tell the person next to you. Tell them you thought I was joking when I said I love you. <laughs> yeah. And tell them you may not even appreciate this love I'm giving to you. You may not appreciate it. Yep. But just tell them I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I love you. And if the person next to you is not talking to you, please change your seat. I promise you, just change your seat now. Okay? Because <laughs> people come to church and act all, you know, all together, you know, like, you know, I can't, you know. But that thing, I still about it this morning. Why do we do that when we come to church? Why do we just act all composed? And Because we see some of you. Bona! Bona! He doesn't know you. 
when you then go to the shows, you're shouting, Johnny! You know, I'm like, cool down. You know, and it's okay to shout in church. It's okay to express yourself in church. You're in your father's house. Tell me, tell the person next to you, tell them, express yourself. Not too much, not too much. Just (laughs) express yourself. Yeah, good, 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 good. Uh, thank you everyone who comes to LifePoint. We don't take it for granted. LifePoint is part of the Elevation Church, which is pastored by my pastor, Pastor Godman and Pastor Bolanywa Kilabi. And we're so happy to have everyone here. It's a family uh, that we belong to. And at the very core of it is our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else. We, we love great music, but it's our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we love people, but it's our faith in our Lord Jesus. You can see that we love dark rooms, slightly darker rooms, but it's our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that we communicate that to you uh, today, okay? All right. Um, just to say this for someone, it is, if anything, has been really strong coming through the conversation about the history of the church and especially the, the teachings on Wednesdays, it's this renewed call for us to study scripture I, I've, I've it is we so again and again I say that the Christian life was never lived was never meant to be lived far away from scripture right, let me ask your the person you've been talking to ask them have you when is the last time you read your Bible when's the last time you read your Bible yeah so this is not and this is not one verse so there are the people who say, it's okay, you can just read one verse and God can speak to you through one line. He can, but that's not his plan. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been, so Wednesday, for example, we looked at one of the churches. I remember saying, you cannot, you cannot consult Instagram more than you look at your Bible. Yeah. You can't. The Bible speaks, it says that we are all being transformed. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Someone's just muttering, you know, really, I'm serious. Just relax. It says, we all with unveiled faces are are being transformed. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Everyone is being transformed. Right. And we keep on, so the things in front of us are important. So you should, and we should finish the Bible, all of us, regularly. Regularly, if you can watch Game of Thrones one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you can finish the Bible. Tell your neighbor you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Yeah, you can finish. So it's this lazy Christianity that you have been in romance since the beginning of the year. That's lazy. I know. You, I'm serious. I know you are trying to act deep. God is speaking to you line upon line, but <laughs> but finish the Bible. All right. One of the things that happens. Uh, as we read through scripture is that it helps us adjust to God aka repentance yes repentance repentance is not a curse word it's a good word so when Jesus speaks to the churches he would call them to repent it's the power that we have in God that we can change Paul says when I was a child I did things childishly so it's like Balade was saying today, some of those things that he used to do, right? Childishly. And says, when I became a man, I re- said I put away childish things. Some of us, when we were much younger, would suck our thumbs. Some of you still do it. It's okay. Right? You'd suck your thumb. They would beat you, put pepper on it. You suck it again. 
some of you, when you were younger, had no respect at all. Some of you, when you were younger, you were afraid of the dark. Some of you were afraid of cockroaches. It, it will go, it will go. <laughs> it will go. When we study God's word, we enable our Christian faith to walk as it should. Ah, yes, you should be, so you should be repenting, not because you are constantly doing bad, but because you are constantly discovering the good that you are called to do, okay? You're constantly changing your life as you realize, oh my God, God has also called me to do this. So it's not just a race away from that which is wrong or evil, it is also a desire to birth what scripture would call fruits of righteousness. All right. So today, uh, we're going to, I think we've got two more, two more. So today and Sunday, conversations about the history of the church. And we'll move on. December at LifePoint promises to be a brilliant time. I would speak about it uh, on next Sunday, but it promises to be a brilliant time. And, uh, and I'll speak about it on Sunday. Um, the evangelical church. So I think sometime last week, or the last couple of weeks, we've moved from the church in the, I'm going to try and write, uh, the church in the shadow, which was Israel, and God dealing with Israel. Uh, so Israel starts here. Okay, uh, killing my pen. This is not writing. Okay, that's one. And I know you're trying to pass a message to me by giving me a pen that's not writing. Israel is A-E or E. <laughs> Just checking that you're following. <laughs> but you know when you're under pressure in public, sometimes all your vocabulary, you know, some words, and you start wondering, you know, and you then use abbreviations. And then Israel and then the early church, right? And when we spoke about the early church, the things that were big were doctrine, the things that were big, this is doctrine, not or anything, just hear what I'm saying, don't worry about the spelling. And we spoke about Pentecost, right? And then about the early church, we spoke about the gospel going first to the Jews and, you know, then to the Gentiles. That is G-E, you know, and this is Paul, you know, Peter and James and the, the church in Jerusalem are speaking to the Gentiles, to the Jews, and then Apostle Paul heads off, takes the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, a couple of years later, uh, the Catholic Church, in fact, it's called the Catholic Church, some of the people will call it the Orthodox Church, and the Catholic Church speaks about the big church, the Orthodox Church, because uh, it became important for the church to contend for doctrine, and for, look, what exactly is it that Jesus has handed over to us. And we said, for example, that this was headquartered, um, uh, so there was the Roman Catholic Church, and there was also one uh, in some of the eastern cities. So there was a, that, that whole thing going on there. And then, um, last week, we spoke about how this becomes very big. The headquarters of the church has moved all the way from Jerusalem, has moved to Rome. It's a big deal. I remember saying last week that that which God births, God has to sustain. Paul says to the Galatian church, how do you start in the spirit and then you want to end up in the flesh? And there's a, 
as, the, as this Catholic church is getting bigger, some things have, have shown up. Thank you. This is Caleb. Very helpful, young man. Very helpful. Hey, let's focus. Uh, are you back single again? <laughs> Caleb, we need to speak. I don't, I, this is up and down. It's a way, wind of doctrine. I don't like it at all. But this is Caleb. Very, very, he's a lawyer. Uh, born again chap from, from Uyo, right? Aquaibom. That accent is good with uh, like the British exposure. It's very good. Uh, I'm serious. When they speak British English, they speak it well. Right? But focus, guys. And then last week, you guys are not going to pull me. You know, I have a very simple message to just wait. We spoke about the reformation and the birth of the Protestant church. They were protesting. Yeah? That's what it is. And Martin Luther uh, and all the guys. Yeah? And then what happens here is a couple of what we'll call denominations are birthed. The Church of England, the Anglican Church, uh, Martin Luther, the Lutheran Church. Um, what else did I speak about last Sunday? There was the Reformed Church, the, so you would have a couple of, uh, there were two other ones. Anyway, the Baptist Church, good, yeah, good, good, good. So they call them the Anabaptist Church, all right? Um, and, the, and then there's the Reformed Catholic Church, and then this continues to go on. Um, Today, we just want to follow that story a bit more. And like I said last week, as we talk about history, it's not just about facts and figures on people. It's also about the story about God's plan, God's love. Um, I remember here when we talked about the shadow church, we talked about prophecy and how powerful it is that when God loves us, he plans for us. When he plans for us, he tells us in advance. And I remember when we talked about the early church, we talked about sacrifice and how that the church, the work of God, was always meant to be fueled by people who would give their lives away. Right? The Orthodox Church and how people are meant to be custodians of doctrine. And trust us, if Christ tarries, we will have to carry this faith and give it to a new generation. The Protestant church, I remember last week, we spoke about Martin Luther standing up to the church of the day and saying, this is not consistent with scripture. Uh, we talked about the power of the press, the printing press. One thing I might have mentioned last week or didn't mention was how that before this whole reformation happened, that Though very few people could read the Bible because the Bible was not in their language. And so I think Martin Luther it is who translates or leads that whole process of translating scripture in the German language. And then when it gets to England, they, they, the English translations, right? But you see, what a change happens in the world. So imagine you come to church, you, can't, you don't have a Bible. I tell you that this is what it says here. I tell you. That's such great power. Because the day I am feeling in a particular way, I say, well, in Romans 1, it says we should all support Arsenal. I say, Ooh, is it there? It says here. It's in Latin. Do you read Latin? No, I read it. here. You know, you go, how can God say we should do that? Uh, God uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise or the strong. So you say, okay, maybe it's possible. You, you, you carry on with that. Yeah? And then I come... 
But once the Bible is in your language, when the pastor says it is, like he said, no, it's not. God never said we should support Arsenal. He would never do such unrighteousness. <laughs> you say, it's not there, pastor, right? God is a Liverpool fan. Victory. You will never walk alone. Such things come from the Father. It's a hard to break every time. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Um, and so that is powerful. But you know, on Wednesday I said to the guys, can you imagine the joy they had? I, we now have a Bible in our language. But guess what? If you had ever told them that there's a generation coming that wouldn't even just have paper Bibles, that they will have these fancy devices with which they can talk to each other, like, what do you, they will talk to each other, yes. They can also ping each other, avoid each other socially, and insult their elders on social media. And I said, but that same thing will then even have, for some of them, 28 different translations of the Bible. They'll be like, wow. Some of you have 50 translations of your Bible on your Bible. And then you ask it, but those people only read one verse a week. <laughs> one verse a week. Anyway, so one thing is the gospel is growing. It is spreading everywhere. The gospel at this point, begins to, it's, I mean, the British make a thing out of the gospel. The Anglican church on one side, the Catholic church on the other side, the Baptist church on the other side, it's a big deal. All through, I mean, different countries, amazing how different parts of Europe, the state and the church are so closely related. And then the gospel also gets to America. The spread of the gospel and the birth of what we call the evangelical church um, is prefaced by a bit of an intellectual revolution. What we'll call the age of enlightenment. Because before that time, and interestingly, there are things that happen in cycles. Just follow me. The church authority was ultimate. But then people started finding out things. Science and technology started to grow. Mankind realized we can actually create things. Isaac Newton discovers what is called the law of um, law of motion, is it? Just not the law of motion. Something like that. You know? So I, should, but I think it's the law of motion. But what happens is that the more man understands the less he is inclined to believe in the supernatural. So, so everything, I mean, we, we're Africans and we're still, we kind of are behind the curve here because um, growing up, everything we could not understand was spiritual. I've seen people who say, I fall ill every February, I think is a spiritual attack. It might be a spiritual attack, but it might just be that, you know, maybe the mosquitoes around your area come every February. It might just be. They might be very precise like that. So, but what happens in the age of enlightenment is that man becomes more powerful. 
less super. I mean, once man becomes, starts to understand atoms, starts to understand how things are ordered, they begin to say, but wait, what is all this discussion about God? Why do we believe the Bible? Why do we, I mean, man, we can create things. We're, we're creating cities. We're creating things that happen. And, you know, the birth of secularism, I think, starts about that time. One thing I must encourage us to note about knowledge, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it says knowledge puffs up. Because there is a way you can know a little and feel very confident about yourself. And so the more man knows in that season, the more enlightened he is, the more people begin to reject what had been taken for granted as the Christian faith. So you'd have guys like John Locke who would try to provide revisions of the Christian faith that seemed rational. They would try to say, look, if we cannot explain all this faith you have been telling us here, if you cannot explain it to us logically, why should we believe it? Interestingly, I hear those same questions today. And so people began to say, look, I'm, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. What will you do? And it's no longer compulsory that I believe in God to be a good citizen. And, and if you read through French history, um, you would find people who would write long essays. Now you think as a generation we write on social media, we don't write at all. We just write, we are writing comments, comment, footnotes. They used to, they had time. They would write long essays and they would debate endlessly. With power comes responsibility. With power comes responsibility. Um, and so the church, the whole evangelical movement is birthed out of a place where it seems like people have... So people are no longer Christians because the government insists. People are Christians because it is good. But there are a lot of people who have then become lukewarm, who have become reserved. The Methodist church is birthed by a bunch of guys, I think out of the Anglican church. Um, um, John Wesley, his brother Charles... And I think there's another guy called George Whitfield. And these guys um, start something which historians will call the Great Awakenings. The Methodist Church is heavy on evangelism and teaching. This whole age here you know, as the church becomes a bit more divided, people are also able to say, look, if you guys say that you serve one God, this is the true God, why do you have such great differences? And trust me, not all the differences in the church were pleasant. 
Some of them were included bloodshed. As people get power, they will question that which they cannot rationally explain. As preparing for this, it was a it was just amazing how you know it struck in my heart, and I began to say, What do we do with the power that God gives us? What do we do with the power that God gives us? What do we do with the power of knowledge, guys? James chapter 3, he says, you know, who is wise and understanding, let him show it by good conduct that his works are done in what it calls the meekness of wisdom. So that the people who will become knowledgeable about things must apply what scripture calls the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom says... I know something, but what I know in the bigger sphere, the bigger body of knowledge is not the whole thing. In fact, in one place in 1 Corinthians 8, Paul says the guys who have become knowledgeable, he says, how can you use your knowledge to destroy the faith of other people? What do you do with the power of faith? When God says you can declare a thing and it will be established, what do you do with that? What do we do with the power of being sons of God? The Bible says, for as many as received Jesus, he gives the power to become sons of God. Do we become like that first son, the older son, who then refuses for prodigal sons or the second, anybody that goes out cannot come back. What do we do with power? What do we do with the power of being forgiven? What do we do with the power of being those who are recipients of God's mercy? Because in that day, the day of the enlightenment, God gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to them that have understanding. But it leads to a departure, it seems, from him. What do we do? I think I've mentioned this on a Wednesday a couple of times. How that sometimes I meet people who seem to plan offense against God. So they say, I'm going out this weekend. Ah, we're going to party. And then I will repent on Monday. But and because and it's, it's an interesting argument, right? Because you know that God will forgive you. And then you say, well, and I, so, and I'm not going to sin a big sin. It's just like, you know. And so they plan it. So it's almost like it's a thing of taking God for granted. Let me tell the person next to you, is he talking about you? Is he, is he talking about you? He's not talking about you, right? <laughs> what, what do we do with the power of God's mercy? Because I remember two or three, four Wednesdays ago, we said God's mercy is not his permission. God's mercy is not his permission. The fact that you did it, you came back and God accepted did not mean that God intended for you to do it. 
There's no theology for a life of sin intention. There's no, there's nothing that's, so that whole concept where you plan a life of looseness on the basis that God will forgive um, is not consistent with how God wants us to live. What do we do with the power of righteousness? Do we become spiritual bouncers? If you've gone to, you know what a bouncer is. A bouncer is the guy who's um, for those of you who just got back and don't do it where you come from, um, they're the guys who exercise all week. Then on Saturday, they wear black. We put them in front of doors so that only people who are invited can come in. Because people like to get crushed in Nigeria, you know. But some of us, when we receive the power of righteousness, become spiritual bouncers. And her skirt is too short, too. The one she wore to church last week is short. But what I saw her with at Quillox on Friday, nobody goes to heaven in that. Pierre, what I saw him smoking is not normal weed, sir. <laughs> and he was smoking it, but he saw me. He knows I'm in the choir. When he saw me, he even took a... He <sighs> says, how are you? Pierre, he's brazen. And we become bouncers. We decide who is worthy, and who is not. Help me ask the person next to you, what are you doing with your power? What are you, what are you doing with your power? For some of us, we have the power to stand before God and call down fire. And, and so we, we actually pray for people to die. Yeah, you, you say, you, pray, you name them. The guy in technology, <laughs> your boss. Some of you have prayed those prayers. The power of provision. And I'm going somewhere with this because as we look at the birth of evangelism or the evangelistic church, it's a place in which people become powerful. What do we do with this billion naira that Tenny and us have been praying will come soon? What do you do with it? Deuteronomy 8, God says to the church or to the people of Israel, he says one thing that happens with wealth is that when it comes, people generally come to the place where they decide that I'm the one who generated this wealth. What do you do with the power of your networks, the power of technology? I was asking myself, what would Paul have done if he had a Twitter account? What would Paul have done if he had Instagram? Apostle Paul. That was trekking everywhere without car to preach gospel. Then you give him an Instagram account. Somebody that they beat, whipped, stoned. You, all they did was block you. You stopped preaching. <laughs> they beat him. Not, so this is not, when you say, you don't know, I don't know the last time you guys were beaten. You call police now. It's like proper beating. Stone. What will Paul have done with his Instagram account? Because guys, look, signs and wonders will not change men. Jesus performed signs and wonders and people refused to turn to God. Moses will perform signs and wonders. 
but they will constantly advertise for God. They would constantly show to people that there is more to life than what we see. They, they will distract people away from darkness. Love is one of the biggest miracles that the church performs. Love is one of the biggest miracles that the church performs because the evangelistic church was birthed in the middle of a time when people stopped having a reason to reach out to God. They claim that we reach out to God in Nigeria because we don't have light, we don't have water, we don't have security, so you better pray. But the truth is that even when people don't have a reason to reach out to God, there is still reasons to reach out to God. And so these guys start something called the Great Awakening. And people, I mean, I wish we could go around the whole, but people start, start to preach the gospel like never before. They, 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 there's a less of an emphasis on, on doctrine and ritual. And people start to preach the gospel. If you, if you read the Bible or the history, they will tell you about the Great Awakening. And then in places in America, um, they would, they would, people would go out and preach what they called brimstone and hellfire messages. But the, the core of the message was suddenly a realization. They were like, guys, we cannot do this. Granted, we no longer have to belong to any of these churches by rule and we are now brilliant and we are now have power but they would so these guys would go out and they would preach they would preach the great awakenings were characterized by widespread revivals led by evangelical protestant preachers there was a sharp increase in interest in religion a profound sense of conviction and redemption on behalf on those on the part of those who were affected and they would form you know new new churches there was the it was the it was a the, this whole born again experience was at the forefront it was no longer a doctrine thing there was a gentleman called Edwards in America who would preach a message he titled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Hell's fire and brimstone. That was all it was. You are all dead. Dead, 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 dead. And then, and it was amazing, right? Because people would respond. It was an odd way to present the gospel. Because I can imagine if I came here today, I just started talking, ah, <laughs> Hellfire is real. Hellfire. Somebody will tweet about it. It is interesting that <laughs> it's interesting that when the, the, we don't bring people to the gospel by saying that you're going to be in pain forever. Because some of these people say, look, I'm in pain already. I don't have light. I don't have a job. I don't have money. No girlfriend. If, I don't know what's worse than this, but you can't use that to threaten me. But it is separation from God. And so, you know, they would preach big messages. And people would turn to God. They, they would preach from the gospel. You have to be born again. 
and people will turn to God. In England, similarly a movement, you know, almost like a revival was also happening. You would find what they would call something called the Clapham Group, a bunch of rich guys who would gather in a place about three miles outside London. And they would debate about the spread of the gospel. In fact, out of the Clapham Group, some things were formed. In 1799, the Christian Mission Society, CMS. The British and Foreign Bible Society. A gentleman called William Wilberforce was very prominent there. And one of the things that the evangelical church will do is that they would recognize that God had given them power to also address certain things. So for example, William Wilberforce and his guys started saying, look, we need to speak up about slavery. We need to speak up about slavery. So in 1789, he makes his first speech in the House of Commons. And then one day, I think it's in February of, of 1807, somebody, I was reading this last, you know, over the weekend, somebody makes a passionate speech. These are Christians. In the House of Commons, the British people who are typically very tight and they stand up and they shout and they, you know, and then a couple of days later, they stopped the slave trade. It was from the church. Four days before Wilberforce dies in 1833, the British Empire decides, look, we're freeing all people who are slaves. I'm saying this because from here, missions begin to go out to all the world. God gives men power. Men decide what they want to do with it. God ties the spread of the gospel to imperfect people. But our generation says that only perfect people can preach. Imperfection is not evil. I'm not talking about people who have devoted themselves to evil. But I'm saying it's people who acknowledge the saving grace of God and decide that we will still carry on and do the work of God. Help me ask the person next to you, are you perfect? Are you perfect? Yeah? Yeah? I, I find that there are too many people in our generation who are waiting for perfection before God will use them. A Bolade, for example, should be a preacher. It should be, it should be, okay, before I get on this case. <laughs> but the evangelicals say, this, we've, we've argued about doctrine for too long. Now it is time to preach. You must be born again. Let me tell the person next, just say it like a preacher. Tell them you must be born again. You must, you must be born again. You must be born again, right? Use your preacher voice. You must be born again. Somewhere in Oxford, a bunch of guys come together, form what they call the Oxford Movement. 
they formed the Baptist Missionary Society. Matthew 28, Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The YMCA is formed along this time. By the early 19th, 20th century, the gospel is everywhere. Next week, I think the next time I teach, I'll talk about the gospel in Nigeria. Just the history of how the gospel comes to Nigeria. But today, this is how I feel God moving our hearts. He's asking about people who he has given power to in our midst today. And I don't know what what your what your power is. How, how do we classify um, superheroes into good or bad? Villains and how do we how do we know the villains? Sorry, how they use their power? Who, who are the, give me examples of villains? Anyone? Sorry. Speak out! Speak out! Speak out! Thanos, yes, yes. Speak out, speak out. All right. And who are the good ones? Superman. Captain America. Yeah. It's how they use their power. How they use their power. And, and as I prepared for this, talking about, just thinking about the evangelical church, it was almost like God is looking through our church, through your role. And he's saying, what are you doing with your power? The power of science. The power of your network. The power of your voice. The power of your wealth. The power of your provision. The power of your background. The power of your knowledge. Are you taking that power and leading men away from God? Or are you taking that power and leading men to God? There are no people who have been assigned to preach the gospel. In fact, I'm going to end there in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, in verse 19, Paul says, over 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. This is one thing that is, I think it's difficult in our time. The ability to take the gospel and share with someone else. 
But I think I realized, you know, preparing for this, that perhaps it's sometimes just because we do not, A, understand how powerful it is, and B, because of, more often than not, we feel distinctly unworthy to preach the gospel. Yeah, we feel like, well, how can I preach if? How can I preach if I am still dealing with this and that? I know, but uh, Pierre, you don't understand. I have to finish this first. How can I? No, but help me ask your neighbor, what's the reason why you're not preaching? What's the reason why you're not preaching? What's the reason? What's the reason? Because you would tell everybody about a new song. You would tell everyone about a new series you found compelling. You would tell everyone about a new shop where they sell relatively cheap stuff. You would tell everyone about a new guy that has moved into the neighborhood and is single. New girl who has joined the choir, not yet attached. Hurry. There's a guy's group, I tell you. Uh, you don't know what they do. They text themselves. She's come, she's come. Hurry, before Nifemi talks to her, talk to her. You know? Why are we, what are we waiting for? So this is the picture. The gospel, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. The power of God to salvation. Us, the church. And all across the world, people who need to be saved. And then people who God has given power. I was preparing for this and I just said, look guys, some of us do not give to the gospel. And I don't mean, this is, I, when I mean give to the gospel, I mean when we put budgets together for how I would spend money. Do you say, this 50,000 naira is for the spread of the gospel on the earth? And it, this is not about giving it at life point. This is saying that people must hear about what God has done. What are you doing with your power? What am I doing with my power? One of the letters to the churches in Revelation, he says, I know you have a little strength. So I know there are people who say, but Idris, I don't have tons of power. I don't, my, but God says, I've given you something. I've given you something. For, for someone, it is prayer. But someone will take I mean, when you, when you read, as this church begins to grow, people leave jobs and go to places they have never been to before to learn their languages so they can speak to them. And I'm honestly praying that something will happen in someone's life so strongly in the coming days that you would get up and leave a job. You would leave your job and go and preach. Ah. Someone is eyeing her boyfriend and say, that prayer cannot come through in your life. <laughs> but it's both of you. <laughs> yep. But the fire of the Holy Spirit will come upon someone and you would say, this is my popularity in Lagos. 
it is going to preach the gospel. Someone, your fine looks that you are using to tension everybody. I'm serious. All these boys that are calling you, all of them, one day invite them. I'm not, I am not joking. Ah, invite all of them. I would like to have dinner with you. So, so please, they get there, invite me, the choir will be there. <laughs> ah, worst case scenario, they won't call you again, but at least that they know how, know how. 50% of them get saved. You have a lovely voice. When you sing, people are shouting, screaming. Would you sing one song about God? You can write. When you write on Twitter, people are retweeting back and forth. People you don't know. People from Japan, Philippines, right? Tweet about Jesus saves. Someone you have a God experience. Shade here, shade somewhere else. What would you do with your power? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's it. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because sometimes the gospel can make you look odd, quirky, not really cool, odd again, really odd. But I think God, these guys got, they refuse to be ashamed of the gospel. And where all these people are, they all, this guy went to Harvard, this guy went to MIT, this guy went to Uniben. This guy went to you know, all these big schools. And then you now, you now say, I want to share the gospel. <laughs> How? Okay, that's it. Tell your neighbor you can't be ashamed of the gospel. You cannot be ashamed of the gospel. Tell them, go, tweet about it. Post about it. Sing about it. Put a badge on your car, whatever it is. But you need to go and preach. And, and I think that is it. I, I think... I think that is it. I think God is looking for people today who will not be ashamed of the gospel. I know you want him to bless you. I know you want him to heal you. I know you want him to provide for you. But I, I also know that he wants you to come to the place where you are not ashamed of the gospel. Someone you, I, I'm, so we can sing a song and, and I'm done actually. But today, I think that is it. That, that there's, there's, there's someone who you have, you, you have a network that God is saying, you need to break this cloud of shame and speak to them. Someone you have, people at work, you need to speak to someone. I don't know who you are. But you have power and you need to use it. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So before the band even sings, 
I'd like all of us to just pray in the Spirit. If you can, I'd like you to just pray in the Spirit where you are. I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. I am not ashamed. So what power has God given unto you? What power is at work in your environment? But I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed. The Samaritan woman, she had had five husbands, was living with one who was not her husband. But she, she doesn't wait for long before she goes out to spread the gospel. It's an immediate thing. Some of you are afraid to hold the mic because you fear that you would stain the gospel. What? God is the one who has assigned you, who has called you. Some of you are afraid to step on a pulpit, to step on a stage. Some of you are hiding your walk with God. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lagos needs to hear about God's love. There is someone across the world who needs to hear who needs a witness who needs someone to stand and say guys I am cool I am educated I am bright but guess what I am also born again I am filled with the Holy Spirit I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ I don't know who it is I don't know who it is but I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I am, I, I am proud of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am bold about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am public about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.